Thank you, Sean. Good morning, everyone. As you probably know, if you've been with, with us the last couple of weeks, we've started an, a short series on prayer as we kind of transition from summer to fall. Last weekend, I was out at Camp Yamhill for our youth conference called Manifest, and it went really well. I appreciate the, the prayers and support uh, that this congregation has been giving uh, towards that work. Uh, we grew a little bit. We had some great keynote lessons and um, classes and things like that, um, and it, it really was a blessing. It was very filling. <clears throat> so I've been tasked to speak on prayer specifically for families and children, and I wanted to start off by sharing um, something from one of my favorite authors who speaks on prayer. Uh, his name's Richard Foster. If you've ever read anything he's written, uh, he's a very accessible and um, very wise author. He talks about prayer being the most central uh, practice to one's faith because it ushers us into perpetual communion with the Father so that we might be transformed into the image of his Son through the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit. I really like how he describes prayer as both being most central to our faith, but also what it, what it really does, that it brings us into communion with the Father so that we might be transformed. When we look at the life and work of Jesus, I think we can see that prayer is at the center of what he does. Jesus prays before he chooses the 12. He spends some time in solitude and prayer before he chooses the 12 apostles. Jesus prays um, after he's been baptized and before he starts his ministry. He spends um, 40 days in the wilderness praying and fasting. Jesus prays often in between uh, works of healing. Jesus prays often when he's teaching or before or after. And many times he's doing this alone. He's kind of getting away so that he can have this time with the Father. Jesus prays on the last night that he would be with his disciples together, both with them and for them, and also a little by himself as well. Jesus prays on the cross, and Jesus prays before his ascension, before he returns with the Father. I think we can see that prayer really is a central work of a disciple. And some might, might cringe at that word work um, because it, it sounds like something that you know, we're doing as if we're earning some kind of spiritual points or something. But prayer really is a work. It takes effort. And it's a work that invites us into the presence of God. Um, not as a means of, of earning any sort of righteousness, but to allow us to participate in his great work. An ongoing habit of prayer has perhaps the greatest impact on our life as a believer. Prayer trains us to relinquish control of the unknown. I don't know how many times I have prayed for things that are unknown and just hoping for guidance, not even wanting my exact outcome, but just wanting to know what's around the corner. 
Prayer changes us and transforms us by calling for our submission to the will of God. Jesus quite famously teaches us to pray, not our will, but yours. And how difficult is it to wrestle with our will and God's will and submitting to that sometimes. Prayer teaches us the practice of trusting in the one who knows all. Even learning how to trust and be okay with the uncertainty, knowing that it is in God's hands. And prayer also guides our lives through petition. It teaches us to look for God's response. And it it brings us together as a community as we lift one another up to the Lord. Richard Foster also says this about prayer. In prayer, real prayer, we begin to think God's thoughts after him, to desire the things he desires, to love the things he loves, to will the things he wills. If you want to seriously grow in your understanding and habit of prayer, I I highly recommend you read uh, his chapter um, from Celebration of Discipline on Prayer. And, you know, I typically try to avoid talking too much about uh, human-inspired authors, but I really do believe um, Foster's work in prayer has been, it's been very beneficial to me, and I think you'd be blessed by it as well. Um, The thing that's interesting about prayer as well is that it's kind of paradoxical. It's deeply and profoundly mysterious, and yet it's also so engaging and so simple. There's no special formula. There's no advanced degree that you have to seek. All you need to do is come to the Father. And yet, that act of speaking with the creator of all things is profoundly mysterious. And how could it be anything less? And yet, this God who has created all things has invited us into this work to be uh, conversant with him. I think that's such an amazing and powerful thing. It can permeate every aspect of our life, prayer can. Not, um, not only the big moments, it, it, it allows us to turn the ordinary moments, what we might call ordinary moments, into holy moments. And so one way that um, Foster and, and other people, as they reflect on prayer, have talked about prayer is this idea of what's called praying the ordinary, a way of viewing prayer as a continuous daily work that is available to all aspects of of life, not only the big moments. Because I think if we're honest with ourselves, a lot of times we're called to prayer in either the bigger moments or when we need something. Um, that's typically when instinctually we're, we're, we feel called to prayer, is when we need something or something's brought to our attention that maybe someone else needs, uh, whom we love, or there's something major going in our life. And so, Okay, now is the time to pray. But prayer is available to us in all aspects of life. So, um, 
this morning, like I said, Chris specifically asked me to kind of point our thoughts towards praying for families and children. And um, I think this is important because in many ways, our families are our greatest um, ministries, and they require much prayer. Um, having had a child of my own now, I know, um, I know um, what it's like to kind of be called to prayer, prayer in different ways. Um, to have cons- care and concern for a child or for a loved one can quickly bring you to your knees. Um, but whether you have kids or not, um, or whatever your, your family dynamics look like, we all know what, it's, what the experience is like to, to love someone deeply and to care for them. And it's that very love that should drive us to prayer. And so I, I, I want to be clear, you know, not, not all have children, um, but for many in Scripture, we see that prayer starts in the home, whether it's for your spouse, whether it's for your parents or grandparents or siblings, <clears throat> whatever that looks like. I hope we can see this morning that prayer needs to be a pillar in the lives uh, of our families to lift them up. So as I, as I began preparing to, to speak on this topic, I thought it'd be interesting to, to look through Scripture and look for examples of parents specifically praying for their children. Now, sometimes it's kind of hard to draw lines between like a parent blessing their kids, like Jacob blesses you know, all of his sons before he dies. Um, so bear with me, but there were five characters that stood out to me, and I want to look at what they, who they were, what they prayed for. Um, one of the first that we really see is Abraham, and he's actually, in this context, praying for Ishmael. Um, this is when he is given the news that he's going to have a son through Sarah, um, and Ishmael's not going to be his primary heir, and he takes a moment to pray that God would see Ishmael and bless him and not forget him, and God comes through with that promise. Um, There are several times where God blesses Ishmael and protects him. We can also see Hannah uh, in 1 Samuel uh, praying for a son. Um, She was not able to have a son, and so she was praying uh, fervently um, and God blessed her with a son. And what's interesting to me about that story is that instead of saying, yes, finally I got what I want and I'm going to be a helicopter parent and this is my, you know, my finally got a child, I'm going to protect him, never let him out of my sight. She dedicates him to the Lord and he serves God's people. Actually lets go. It's pretty impressive. Another is David, and we actually see um, two instances where he specifically prays for his children. And uh, they're, they're interesting examples. The first is in 2 Samuel 12, when he prays for the child that he had or was about to have with Bathsheba. And even in his... Even in his sin and the consequences of his sin, he prayed and fasted for this child um, 
that it might be saved. Uh, but unfortunately, the child was never born. Uh, part of the consequences of his sin. And yet he was still diligent in prayer. He also prays for Solomon, that Solomon would be wholeheartedly devoted to the Lord's commands. Uh, one example I love is Job. It mentions early on in describing Job's righteousness that one thing he did is he'd get up every morning and pray for his children just in case they might have sinned against the Lord. He got up and prayed just in case, diligently for his children. And we also see Mary. Mary's, uh, Mary's prayer comes after she visits Elizabeth. And um, this one counts in my book because she knew what was happening. And when she visits her cousin, there's something, there's some connection between them through the Holy Spirit that they know that their children are blessed by God. And so Mary gives this um, powerful and prophetic prayer of joy about what God will do through Christ, through, through Jesus. So we can see that um, parents prayed for their children and families for all sorts of reasons. Their, prayer, their prayers came from a place of love and joy or a, even a place of sorrow and uncertainty. And they prayed that God would bless and reward and guide, protect, empower their loved ones. I was actually surprised to find that there isn't a single verse in Scripture that specifically commands or instructs us to pray for our families. Um, I welcome you to challenge me in that. Uh, but what, what that made me think of is it's just assumed. It's so written into the fabric of what it means to be a child of God and a part of God's family that you know naturally this is the first place we often turn to in prayer. I mean, I don't know about you, but when I pray, a lot of times the first topic of my prayer is for my own family. And then it, you know, it kind of moves outward from there. I want to bring us back, though, to Deuteronomy. Uh, we studied this over the summer, but uh, there's something I, I really want to um, remind us of, and that's from the Shema, Deuteronomy chapter 6, which was probably their most famous prayer. But follow along with me here in Deuteronomy 6, uh, starting in verse 4. Hear, O Israel... The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give to you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. The, the Shema reminds us that Israel was to make holy moments out of ordinary ones through teaching and through prayer. Um, and surely these commands are not just teachable moments, but opportunities for prayer as well. This, this leads me, I think, to an important question that we need to be asking, that I think um, in God's wisdom, God wanted his people to be 
thinking about this every day, every aspect of their day. And that question is, what are your spiritual goals for your family or for your children? What are you impressing upon them, as it says here in Deuteronomy? What do you want them to grow into? Who do you want them to become? And I'd, I'd especially want to challenge our parents and grandparents to be thinking about what, what specific goals do I have for my children uh, or grandchildren, um, spiritual goals, and what is my role in that? How am I impressing this idea to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength? Not just on Sunday mornings or Wednesday nights, but when we get up in the morning and when we lie down, when we're driving down the road, whatever it may be. I mean, they're, they're literally commanded to make this a part of their daily rhythm, this prayer, this instruction. <clears throat> I think prayer leads us to the answer to that question of what what do I want for my children? What, what are my spiritual goals for my children? I think often we try to supply our own answer or our own means of doing these things. We do everything in our power to create the results that we want. I want my kids to do well in school. There's nothing wrong with that. I want my adult children to return to church. I want my sister to have a healthy marriage. I want my parents to handle the aging process well. Whatever that looks like for you, whatever those goals are, I think prayer, the, the part of prayer that we need to understand is that it challenges us and our motives and our, atten- our intentions to bend to the will of God. So what is your prayer for your children or for your family? I wanted to spend some time in Ephesians chapter 3 as well because I believe it's a really good example of the kind of prayer we should have for our families. So you can turn, turn there as well. Paul spent about 18 months in Ephesus with the church there. Um, I, I believe it's his second longest stay um, out of all the places he went. So they were really like family to him. In fact, even in Acts, um, he has this special moment with the elders of Ephesus when they're saying goodbye. And so you can tell by the intimate language he uses in this prayer that he cared for them. Let me read this again. Ephesians 3, um, verse 14. For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep 
is the love of Christ. And to know that this love surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is work within us, that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Paul pauses right in the middle of his letter to the Ephesians to pray this prayer over them. And I think if you look closely, you can see pretty obviously um, why this is an important prayer. It talks about um, his desires for people who are kind of like his spiritual children, that they um, might be strengthened, that they might have unity, that Christ might dwell in their hearts, that they would be rooted and established in love, that they would know the love of God and just how unfathomably great it is for them in Christ. What is, what is your prayer for your family, for your children? What are those desires that draw you to the throne room of God that you lift them up? So, some of you, I'm guessing, might be sitting here feeling a bit overwhelmed and don't know where to begin. Perhaps you feel so far behind or removed from this habit of prayer, or especially praying for your family, for your children, uh, that you struggle to maybe find hope. Uh, where, do, where do I even begin? Well, I would encourage us to go back to Deuteronomy 6 and to start getting into the habit of praying for the small, ordinary things of life. We don't have to wait for something to go wrong or for someone to be in need. Um, God wanted his people to start the day in prayer, end the day in prayer. Whenever they're leaving, whenever they're coming home, that all of those moments might be opportunities to teach our children or to teach our families to love the Lord your God with all your heart. So find all of those opportunities throughout your day to be bathed in prayer, even simple short prayers. Some of you might feel that things are going really well, and that's wonderful. And my challenge to you would be, don't let, uh, don't let things going well keep you from being diligent, or you might become complacent. There are many ways that we can, uh, or there are many opportunities to find ways to create those holy moments with your family. Whether it's, um, you know, around the dinner table together or on your own as you're driving to work. Um, I wanted to share uh, this prayer to you. Um, it comes from a, a kind of a book of prayers called Every Moment Holy. This is, again, um, a minister's uh, basically taking the opportunity to encourage people to be praying 
for all those little moments in our lives and to recognize that God desires those moments to be holy as well. And so I kind of laughed at this one uh, because, um, you know, anyone who has been a parent or really, honestly, anyone who's been around children understands the frustration. And I guess what's great about this is it, it's convicting as well. You know, a lot of times, like, if we saw a kid acting out, frustrating us, my, my, in my humanness, my prayer would be, Lord, please teach that kid to settle down. And it's, it's on them to change. But again, that's not the goal of prayer. You know, am I really just expecting God to snap his fingers and automatically turn our kids into these well-behaved little munchkins. Is that really my intention? But notice how this begins. Let me not react in this moment, O oh Lord, in the blindness of my own emotion. You know, how often do we allow that to either keep us from responding in prayer or praying in the wrong ways? Oops, almost lost my clicker there. Sometimes the best places to start are in those moments where prayer is your last thought. <clears throat> I also want us to be reminded of why ongoing prayer is so important for our families. And again, you know, this is talking specifically about children, but children grow up. This can apply to adults as well. But I just, I really found this convicting, this idea that if our children are doing well spiritually, reminder that they're not out of the woods, and if they're not doing well, their story is not over. This is why we are called to prayer, because we're joining in the work of what God is doing in their lives. Through our instruction, through our private prayers, through our prayers with them, as we wake up, as we go out on the road, as we come home, as we lie down. So where do we begin? I think sometimes we might need, um, we might need a neon sign. So I'm gonna give you a couple neon signs, but I'm also gonna encourage you to prayerfully consider what this looks like in your family. So, Again, I'd encourage us to start with ordinary moments. When you wake up your children or when you put them to bed, take, a, take that moment to teach them about prayer, to teach them through prayer. Before you, you, know, before you go downstairs to get breakfast ready or whatever it might be, take that moment to pray with your children even if they're teenagers, I would say. They may not want to, but who's the adult, right? When you're driving to school, what a great opportunity to pray with your eyes open and teach them and bless them as they go, um, some of them to a very difficult, confusing, and dark place. <clears throat> when you're in line at the grocery store, 
and things are just going a little slower than you wanted, that's a good moment to teach your children or your family and to pray with them. When you're meeting around the table for dinner or whether you're on your knees in your room at night, take these moments and instead of just allowing them to remain ordinary, make them holy, holy moments. There's a couple other opportunities that we have. Uh, this, is, this month, as we begin school, is typically when we start a program called Prayer Pals or Prayer Buddies. Uh, there's a sign-up in the back, and basically what this is is I take all of our kids that are here regularly from infant to senior in high school, and I just assign one or two adults to be praying for them throughout the whole school year. It doesn't require any greater commitment, although some choose to even give special gifts or um, maybe, you know, with parent permission, take their prayer pal out for ice cream and talk. Um, those are good opportunities. Um, in class, after this, one thing that is going to be a little different is the first 20 minutes, instead of, you know, just having juice and a donut, your, their teachers are going to be talking with them and praying about what's going on in their life down in class. There, there are dozens of opportunities. Um, and it, it all comes down to establishing new habits and rhythms in your family. But I want to wrap things up by just really driving home how important this is. Because again, um, you know, all of our families look different. And you might be sitting there thinking, well, I don't have kids, or my kids are all grown up, or whatever it may be. Some of you are, are right in the thick of it right now. But this is a work of all of us as a church family to be praying for one another, to be praying for our families, for each other's families, and especially for our children. Paul and other New Testament authors often reminded their fellow Christians in their letters that they were actively praying for them and how encouraged they were whenever they heard that their prayers were being answered. And I think it's so encouraging when, we're, when we pray for each other and we get to see the, the fruit of that prayer and when we know that other people are praying for us. Our, our young people, they, they're encouraged when you tell them that you have been praying for them. Just recently, I was reunited with one of my, um, I call, extended youth group kids. He didn't grow up here, but just through camp and other um, events, you know, we've had a, a, a long relationship, and he's an adult now. And I got to see him after years of not seeing him. And I was encouraged to see that he's faithfully walking in the Lord. This is a verse I've shared um, before. It comes from 3 John. Um, and it's become kind of a mantra for me, I guess. Or maybe just a, a, an encouraging word that he shares. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the Lord. And that's, that's a difficult thing because some of them aren't. And yet, this is again 
an opportunity for prayer. So let us be a spiritual church family that prays for one another, that prays for our children, for our family members, so that we can watch each other grow and joyfully say, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the Lord, whether they be biological or spiritual. We are a spiritual family, and we are certainly commanded to pray for one another. And so I challenge us this morning to respond in some way. We often call, you know, the end of a sermon an invitation, and it is. It's an invitation to respond, and, and I want to be honest. It's, it's more than an opportunity for you, or it's more than just an invitation. It's an opportunity for you to respond. And, and in my opinion, there hasn't been as much responding over the years recently when we offer these kind of invitations. And I think part of that is going back to that idea of, you know, prayer, a lot of times we think it's only about the big moments. I only need to respond if there's something big going on in my life. And then I'll wait for that and then I'll share with my church family. But I know that there are things that we all need from one another. There are all these different ways that we need prayer, that we are convicted, that we are called to respond. And so I just encourage us this morning and moving forward to not let anything stand in your way of responding and reaching out to your spiritual family. We are here if you need prayer or encouragement. We are here if you want to learn more about giving your life to Christ in baptism and what it means to follow Him. Or if we can support you in any way, we invite you to respond. You can come forward or I'll be at the back. Any way that we can pray with you or walk with you, let us know as we stand and sing.